This is a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne, truly independent community radio. <laughs> oh, yeah. Trevor Chu. On the other go, scientists leave the building. We were going to invite Dr. Shane on for our hour as well. Yeah, just that um, he felt um, part of the thing because he's been spreading himself around. Uh, welcome to the afternoon here on 3 Triple RFM. Matt Stedman. Cameron Smith. What the? You're in here. I'm, uh, yes, I'm present and correct, as you, are you. You're not riding around the bay? No, a couple of weeks ago now. Yes. Good to have you here. Thank you, sir. And uh, lovely to have you all here. Thank you to all the people that have been listening during the morning. And um, here we go into the wonderful thing that is Triple R Radio Sunday afternoon. Yes. And let's face it, not much of a Sunday afternoon out there in Melbourne. So you may as well turn on the wireless, put on a cup of tea or coffee. Pour yourself a whiskey. Pour yourself a whiskey. (laughs) Two fingers. Neat. Neat. (laughs) Maybe a little bit of ice. A bit of rum. A bit of rum. Rum yes. would, be, uh, would be a, a lovely thing to do. Uh, do it in a responsible way. Of course. Because we're an RSA station here. Yes. Responsible serving of audio. audio. <laughs> Bang. Um, uh, what have we got on the show today? Oh, first of all, we're looking back. I just wanted to um, acknowledge my pride of being part of this station. Yes. Uh, this progressive wonderful um, outlet of thought mm. and alternative thought. Yesterday there was a show called Here Comes the Pride. Yes. Richard Watts and Geraldine uh, in the performance space. Uh, I doffs my lid to you yes. and also to the station itself who are putting that on. Mm-hmm. And it just shows why the hell we're here. This is true. Well, one of the good reasons, yes. One of the good reasons. Thank yes. you for that. Um, so, yeah, bloody hell. Um, good on you. Um, it's dragging on forever, this, this postal survey, isn't it? It seems just to never go away. Don't start me. <laughs> really? <laughs> okay, start me. What the hell are we supposed to do once we've had the survey? That's, as you know what my big concern is, uh, the yes vote will get up and then the politicians have to, have to figure out how to get it through Parliament. And that yeah, is and be they'll obfuscate again and they'll the go, oh, well, I don't know if we want to do that. Just don't. Let's, Let's not, go, not go down that track. Food, Cameron. Yes, the wonderful <laughs> world of food, and we're looking forward to it. And, yes. and, and here is a great show that sort of shows the diversity of the things that we deal with with this show. Food yes. is so many different things. This is true. And um, we've got food can be tradition. Food can be about just recipes. Food can be about the newest place that's open. Mm-hmm. Anthropology, sociology. Our first segment is about food is politics. Yes. Politics. And um, we've got Tammy Jonas. Uh, Tammy Jonas is a producer mm-hmm. of food. She's got herself into a bit of a uh, problems with um, inspectors a while ago. Yes. Because she was making small goods and someone said, you're not doing a problem. I'm going to throw all this blue food dye all over your thing and just, just ruin it all. Yes. Um, but we're going to talk to Tammy quickly about um, the definition of small farms, being a, a small farm or mm. an intensive producer. Yes. And uh, there's a little bit of controversy. So maybe we might just look into that. Yes. Then we are going uh, via an address in Ligon Street, just around the corner from here. Just in our hood. Just in the hood. Yeah. 
beautiful downtown East Brunswick. Um, we've got Darrell Haviland, and she is the proprietor, the patrol. The patrol. Yes. Of the, uh, of the Moldy Fig, and her mastermind subject is uh, Creole, Cajun. All those things, mm. these, these great, this rich, rich melting pot that makes up the cuisine of New Orleans. Yes. New Orleans. Yes. Um, so, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about that and uh, talk about um, how did a honky from, uh, from Oz yeah. get involved in, in that sort of thing with such passion and yes. such dedication. I'm hearing very good things about this restaurant. So Excellent. we're going to have a little bit of a chat about there. And then we're going to just knock over – there we go <laughs> – knock over preconceptions. Right. Tea. Yes. And cheese. Whoa. Near the Twain Shall Meet, someone once said. Yes, I Actually, I didn't. I just made that up. Tea and cheese. Tea and cheese. Okay. That's not the name of like an ironic chain pub or something, is it? Tea and cheese. Go, go pop down the tea and cheese for a pint. No, we've got Hannah Dupre, who sounds like she should be from New Orleans. She does. Dupre, yes. Dupre. She's not, though. HDP is in the house, and she's got like this box of all sorts of goodies. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to be uh, talking about her new place because there's going to be the new Hannah Dupre retail experience that's happening at the gateway of uh, the People's Republic of Northcote. Yes. Yes, looking forward to that. Yes. Oh, my God, she of uh, Storm in a Teacup. Uh, because that's her mastermind subject. And uh, we're going to be looking at the fact of how the tannins in tea mm. um, mixes and matches and, and melds and weds. Mm. Shall we say? Yes. Uh, with the uh, with the coagulated curd. That's not selling it well, is it? Uh, interesting, though. I've never considered those two together before. At no point have I ever said, that's a lovely hunk of cheese. I want a cup of tea with that. That's right. Mm. That's right. So we're going to be uh, doing that. And, um, and maybe there might be a, a great experiment for involving kids. Because let's face the one, the wine and cheese nights. That's out. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, you can't really no. serve that nice syrup to your. Because the kids keep falling over. <laughs> yes. You know, come on, get up. <laughs> you got to have a look at the Shiraz now, son. <laughs> um, so maybe this is a better way to do it, and and it sort of follows on the whole thing of mm. we, you know we talk about. Um, for years, it was wine and cheese, and cheese and wine nights, and then, and then there was this thing about beer. Craft yes. beer especially. Yes. And cheese. Valid as all. Absolutely. Get out. Yes. And so we're going to look at um, tea and cheese, which uh, should be kind of fun. But also we need to do a quick acknowledgement because what you and I recognise as one of the great places in Melbourne to purchase and get cheese is, of course, the... The grocer cheese room. So if you've not been there, it's just opposite uh, Parliament House. It's in the car park. That it's, uh, in, it's a subterranean curd cave. So you wander into grocer and there's a big... Well, it's not big. It's quite a tight spiral staircase in the middle. Have courage and descend and... I think it's Melbourne's best cheese room. It's just amazing. A, a world of delicious comestibles awaits you. Yes. And also we have to thank Stella, um, who was working there. Victor's the guy that is um, is the, the, the chief affoneur. So Stella put up with you dashing in saying, I need some cheese! No, actually I rang up beforehand and, okay. and I said, what time does it open? And uh, they said, it's 11 o'clock. And I went... <sighs> Wow, you know what I really want to do is I want to come in there. I want a piece of cheese. What do you reckon? You're normally here by 11 o'clock because you're on air at 12 o'clock. That's right. But um, Stella, who was um, setting up, went, all right, I'll just stop everything and cut you a piece of 
So we've got a lovely piece of Bay of Fires cheddar, which is a Tasmanian S- cheddar. Sitting over there, just coming up to temperature. Yeah, if you haven't had it before, it's like well, it's like um, the, the great and the good. Quick's cheddar in, in England, and mm-hmm. there's a Montgomery cheddar from Vermont. Mm-hmm. Cloth-bound cheddars anywhere. Yes. Living, breathing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we're going to try that. So thank you, Stella. And then we should also acknowledge, before we go too much further, we've had uh, Turkish Delight today. Yes. From where? Where is it from again? Uh, it's from... <laughs> that was nice. <laughs> the new modern, <laughs> modern Turkish restaurant, Yagiz. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. On Turak Road. Uh, is opening this week? Last week it's just opened. It's happening. Uh, the moths are good. Yagiz. It's actually looks Broadshire. Really good. Haven't you read the article on Broadshire? No, I can uh, vouch for their Turkish delight because I've had some and it's yummy. And the thing that makes this particular Turkish delight unique is... Mint. It's green. And it's minty. It's green. I'm sure they probably do um, your normal sort of purple Turkish delight. Your, normal, your rose. Your run-of-the-mill Turkish yeah, delight. Just your common garden variety type. But this is properly good. So check it out, your geese down there on Turak Road in South Yara. 1210. We've got to get on to Tammy very soon. But before yes. we do that, Matt uh, wanted to open up a can of worms. Oh, uh, just not, not so much a can of worms, but just acknowledge this week we had the Good Food Awards in Sydney. So this is the first year, of course, Cam, where... The, uh, the food guide has gone national. It's gone no national. longer is it a regional thing. So no longer it's do, changed. You, do you have the Age Good Food Guide looking after Victoria and the Sydney Morning Herald Good Food Guide looking after New South Wales. It's just one big thing now. Yes. The Good Food Guide. And All like, encompassing, we could say. This is true. Mm. Um, three restaurants took out the top honour of having three hats and sorry six restaurants took out the top honour three in Victoria three in Victoria so that is big ups to our friends at Attica um, friends also at Bray Bray of course Dan Hunter's team and on you Dan Min- hey Dan if you're listening hello Dan hello Dan and Minimachine and crew and crew and, and Min- don't forget the others and Minimachine are in Richmond so makes sense the same three that were awarded the same Minimachine I was told I, I Oh, I've um, never known I, how to say it. I met the accountants of them, and I was telling them about this great place, and they went, yeah, I've been there three times. And I went, oh, really? So how anyway, do you say it? Minamishima, I think. Minamishima. Yeah, anyway. Okay. Like Osaka. The only controversy of Osaka. the night was, for those of us not invited, which is most of Australia, um, the social media updates were pretty poor. Oh. It was remarked upon quite a lot. Oh. That uh, the updates were few and far between, but you can go to uh, the Good Food website and see all of the award winners. I think the I think the guide is out, if not right now, then very soon, and we'll have Ros Grundy on them. Some Ros, stage. are you listening? You there, Dale? Come on in. Um, yeah, we'll get you in. Maybe um, see what you're doing next week. Yeah, come on in. And there'll be gin because Sebastian's going to be. <laughs> so be there you go. That's, Come on in. Twelve, twelve. We should probably get a move on. Yes. Let's have a chat to Tammy and uh, let's see what cheeses her off. Belleville. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. I like the whiskey to infinity. <laughs> Tammy's doing um, the road to infinity. Hello, Tammy. How are you doing? I'm well, thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty dang good. Look, happy to be here. It's uh, 12.15 here on, uh, well, an overcast day, but uh, there is sunshine in my heart. And, I'm, and you're on the road. Where are you? <laughs> Um, I don't really know where I am. Somewhere between Portland and I get like that Melbourne. too. That's all right. It's anyhow. I don't know where I'm going. Where are the signposts of life? I over where there was reception. That's where I am. Hey, you're doing well. Um, maybe for those that um, haven't met you before on the airwaves, if you'd like to just introduce yourself and tell us what you do. 
Um, well, I'm first and foremost a small-scale pasture pig cattle farmer. Yes. Uh, and a butcher on the farm as well. And I'm also the president of the Australian Food Sovereignty Alliance, fighting for everybody's right to determine our own food and agriculture systems. Beautiful. Do you have a costume for that? <laughs> Sounds a cape, like a, a cape. No cape. <laughs> you didn't see the Incredibles. No cape. Um, but all right, here's the serious part. You've, um, we've been running into um, definitions, and definitions can be death. And um, in this regard, the most important definition is intensive agriculture. Yep. What's yep, been going is. on? Well, um, so about two years ago, a, a small scale pasture pig farm like ours actually. Um, Mm. got caught up in that definition of intensive. So the, the old planning scheme in Victoria was never intended for farms like ours. We we didn't really exist, I guess, when it was written. Um, you know, everything was either pigs and poultry in sheds or just a couple of pigs in the backyard sort of thing. There wasn't, Cause there this, wasn't a, a small-scale movement. This niche has evolved over the last decade, has it not? Yeah, that's right. I mean, there were some early pioneers who'd been doing it for longer, mm. but they were very kind of outliers on the graph. You know, they, they were not the norm. Yep. Um, and in the last decade, of course, we've gained huge numbers. We have we have hundreds of us across the country now, um, doing well, probably thousands, in fact, across the country. Mm. And and so what happened was two years ago, the um, a, a lifestyle moved in next to a little pig farm, didn't like pigs, complained. Yes. Um, the case went to VCAT, and VCAT ruled under the definitions of the planning scheme that her farm was intensive because in Victoria they define intensive as um, importing the majority of your feed. So it doesn't matter if you have one pig, ten pigs, or a thousand pigs. If you import the feed from off the farm, then you're considered intensive. Same thing happened to David Blackmore, didn't it? Well, that's a pretty different case. Same, same, different? Um, no, it's really quite different. Because there, but that was, was about feedlotting and bringing food in, was it not? It was. It yes. was, and he was intensive. But he really was intensive is the difference. Okay. Um, you know, he was running a very high stocking rate that was essentially a feedlot. Gotcha. Um, and, and yeah, another farmers in the region on that case um, wanted him classified as a feedlot to protect them from, you know, the loss of amenity and environmental risk to them. All right. Uh, so, Tammy, um, let's, let's put yeah. that to the side and, and renew the focus back on, um, on small pig producers then. Yeah, so Happy Valley up in the Yarra Ranges lost the VCAT case, uh, which, so they ended up being called intensive. Um, and, and, that, and they lost their farm. They had to, because they're in Greenwich where you can't have intensive farms, they, they, they had farm. to move to get yeah, land. Right. Like okay. they really left. Yes. It was awful. Um, and so, yeah, so as of two years ago, that VCAT ruling changed everything. And since then, we've all been considered intensive. Um, the government then, because of the Blackmore's case as well as others, rightly decided to examine the planning provisions and see where they were no longer sufficient in meeting contemporary farming practices. So this is Jala Pulford, Minister of Agriculture and Minister for Planning. Richard Wynne, would that be right? That's exactly right. Okay, yep, yep. Yes. It's the current Labor government, government and those two ministers. And, and we welcomed it. We thought, that's fantastic. What a good thing that they're doing. Thank God. Um, and they appointed an independent committee, also sounded great. Um, and that committee, not this last April, but April 2016 delivered its recommendations, and they were broadly acceptable. They, they said small farms like ours shouldn't be treated the same under the scheme as large sheds or pigs and poultry. Because it's provide. different. We're, and they're really different. It's different, And the risk to environment and amenity is huge, you know. Yeah. And, um, and then what happens? Our farms don't 
distinct, and our animals aren't food. You know, we don't have effluent ponds, and yes. so yeah, so yeah, so the, they recommended the independent committee recommended that we be treated differently. We not be required to have a permit because we're not intensive and we're low risk systems. Obviously, we, something like, happened there, Tammy. What happened? Well, we think big ag happened. The the lobbying um, forces came into into play, and I think the VFF and Australian Pork Limited basically sat down in the offices of the people rewriting the provisions and right. convinced them to treat all of us the same as the ones they represent, which are the guys with the sheds. And, and what was delivered by the government just a month ago um, as a draft treat, would treat us under the scheme pretty much exactly the same as the, um, as the big guys. So where we thought we were going to see it rectified, instead the government has codified that sort of misinterpretation of what we are. Whoa. So, yeah. you, you, so what you are charging, if I can paraphrase, is uh, lobbying by the big end of town um, has yes. directly disadvantaged you. Yes, yeah, that's exactly what we think has happened because the recommendations were so radically different 18 months ago from the independent committee and after that 18 months in the government offices with all the lobbying power. I mean, the APL, so Australian Pork Limited and VFF both have spots on the reference groups you know, they, they're providing guidance to the rewrite. And uh, as representatives of small-scale farmers, we applied for a spot on those reference groups, and we were knocked back. We weren't given a spot. And there are no small-scale pig or poultry growers represented on their reference groups, so even the, though the we f- asked to be represented. So the fox is in charge of the hen house, so to speak. Correct, and that's exactly what's going on. Uh, <laughs> you were also, we, we had a quick chat about this, and we haven't got a lot of time left, Tammy, I'm sorry about that, but yep. Uh, yep. one okay. of the things you did said that the people who were put on to an advisory board, and you'll have to just um, uh, humour me and just uh, correct me, um, had no experience in pigs at all, um, but there were, uh, what, what was this all about, Tammy? Yeah, that's so. That's those reference groups who are meant to be directing the work, and the, the yes. guys who were put on there. They look, they're lovely guys, lovely. and they're, they care. They're worried, they're worried about feedlots, um, which is good. But they're both um, cattle and sheep farmers, and actually, they're not even really commercial farmers. So they're not um, they're not representing our interest because they don't know what they are. I've met with them now, and they'd like to help if they can. But they also did, in fairness, sort of say they're not sure how much influence their input is having. They don't know that they're really being asked for much. So, so we don't even know why we're here. The, the, the two, kind of. Two blind mice, sort of. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, all right. right. Uh, all right. So um, here we are. We've, we've, uh, we've put it up and we've sort of let um, our wonderful listeners hear about this. Um, in sort of 30 seconds, what do we do about it? What do you want? What, what, what would you like to move forward? All right, there's a whole campaign strategy. We need the people's voices, obviously, to say, you know, we want more farms with animals out on pastures, not less of them. Indeed. And so if you go, if you go to the Food Sovereignty Alliance's website, just a second, say that, say that slowly, Tammy, because I've just seen Matt Steadman with Biro <laughs> poised and he's gone, huh? What? Do <laughs> it again. Australian, yep. Australian Food Sovereignty Alliance. You got that, Matt? When our website is AFSA, Australian Food Sovereignty Alliance. .org.au. The campaign strategy is all there for people to read. You can sign the change.org petition, which has 10,000 signatures now. You can, at farmers markets and cafes across Victoria, you can sign a paper petition that we'll be submitting to Parliament. Mm-hmm. You can join the social media campaign and take photos of 
pastured animals with hashtags, this is not intensive, this is farming. Yep. Um, and you can write letters to your local members and to the ministers. The more individual letters that go in, the more power it has. All right. Um, and we'll be putting in a public submission, and we encourage others to do the same. Consultation closes on the 14th of November. Done. No, Tammy, well done getting all that out. Um, I, and I guess maybe the thing to finish on is that um, we here in Victoria are promoting ourselves as um, a great food-producing area. And um, if we, the, the more smaller producers and not, you know, huge factories that, um, that sort of, with the problems allied with those, I think it's, it's better for our economy, better for our state, and better for our image as a great agricultural part of Australia. Absolutely. I totally agree. Do we really want to be like our neighbours up north with more sheds and feedlots than they have animals yeah. on paddocks? Yeah. I don't think so. All right. Well, that's, um, that's great. Well, look, uh, good luck. So you're driving to Portland? Uh, no, coming back from a wedding in Portland on my way to the airport to fly to Canberra for the Food Sovereignty Convergence. Oh, good luck with that. Well, look, keep me in the loop and we'll, we'll let you go. I will. Thanks a lot, Cam. Uh, always a pleasure. See you, Tammy. Right. See ya. And she goes off, so put the car back into gear and driving along. So there it is. We just thought we'd um, highlight that. Um, it seems kind of an important thing. It does. We'll um, get that web link and we'll tweet it and whack it on the Facebook page as well. So uh, if you want to follow it up, you know what to do. Rock. We're going to be talking to Darrell Haviland, but uh, before that, we've, um, we've got a bit of music for you. Speaking of rock. Let's do it. 12.28 here in 3 Triple RFM. How's your Sunday going? You having a good one? Well, I think it's just meant to you're going to put a little bit of heat into your Sunday because uh, we are delighted to bring to the microphones here Darrell Haviland. A very, very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon to you and thank you very much for having me along today. It is a pleasure. Thank you for writing in and telling us about what you do. So it's thank you for uh, being preemptive and, and letting us know that you have a restaurant around the corner. It's called The Moldy Fig and um, I noticed that the very first thing you do is that you, uh, you take an American spelling, which is appropriate. Uh, yes, we do. It's also... Moldy. Yeah. It's like the moldy fig. It's an old jazz uh Sling term as well, like so. It's all what about it the mean? jazz purists and uh, how they came about. Uh, the older guys being called uh, figs, and then they became the mouldy old figs, and so it, it sort of uh, spins around that sort really? of angle. So that's the reason why we chose the name as well. And let's face it, it, that um, uh, jazz in New Orleans uh, goes to together like crawfish and Monica. Uh, true, very true. Um, <laughs> you can't get the jazz out of the New Orleans. No, no, you can't. And um, when did you become aware of this place and, and how did it affect you visiting it? Because it must have been um, quite something when you did go there, quite profound, I think would be the, the term I'm looking for. Uh, New Orleans is just a really great place to go. It's exciting. The food's exciting. Uh, I was gifted a book um, about Cajun Creole food a long, long time ago, and I just got so inspired by it because it was different flavours and uh, different herbs and everything put together. It's just not heat. It's not just about chilli. It's and about... Cultures coming mm. together. It's a crucible of of different cultures. And we think about America as being sort of the um, this this melting pot of all sorts of cuisines, but but... New Orleans was the very, very first place where you had this clash 
of cultures and civilizations having to coalesce in this hot, wonderful place, yeah? Yeah, oh, yes, because you had the French, the Italians, the Spanish, you had the American Indians that they traded with, so they got off pieces from them. And then you had the um, the black sa- slaves as well, so they put their bits and pieces in. So all the different people um, just started learning little bits of each other and it became this wonderful fusion food, um, the soul food of, of New Orleans, of Louisiana. It's, this beautiful harmony mm. was sung onto a plate. Mm. So that's what they did, and they it, it's 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 lovely how they put all these different pieces together, and mm. you can see the little bits of influence that come in in there from them, but it creates this cuisine that's just uniquely they're there. That's in Louisiana. It doesn't really come to many other places. No, it's so, unique, isn't it? Yeah, it's very unique. Because because we like to think of ourselves as like this melting pot, but in in a way we have all these ethnic cuisines around us which we all know and Mm. understand because that's the nature of being an Aussie we all can use chopsticks and we all know the difference (laughs) between Japanese and Thai food but they don't meld together Mm. not like they did in in this place and I'm just wondering tell us a little bit about the first time that you went there and some of your first impressions of the place culinarily uh, the first impressions were um, the way that they use their different herbs um, more so than just the spices as such. So when mm. you go there, I mean, the classic dish is like a, a gumbo. So is it a roux a or not a roux? Oh, it's a yeah, soup. this is it. Now, first of all, let's define roux. What is a roux? Uh, the roux is where you're either using your lards or your oils and then using a flour and you're cooking that into it to create the depth of colour and then to possibly use that to thicken as well. A traditional and classic French technique. Very true. So yes. this is the French. This is coming in from the top with the bourbons who came through. Uh, the Cajuns. Cajuns. Yes. So they came from Arcadia. They were kicked out by uh. the, the British from, from Canada. So they went across and they were the real – the, that's the Cajun side of it. That's a country. So they had to deal with all the bayous and the heat and they adapted really well and they created their own sort of style of cooking as well. And your Creole, which is the city side, uh. is where you have uh, really mixing and the – probably one of the really first fusion styles. That's of the fancy refined side of the Yeah, of well, the they fence, had access to more product because yeah. they were, you yeah. know, in the city and they the rivers. More of the mucha donero. More the mucha, yeah. yeah. So they could do it a little bit yeah. more differently. So you do see a little bit of difference in their cooking, but they're very similar because they've all still moulded in together with the different flavours of uh, the spices that come through. But it's not just about the spice. See, a lot of people might think, oh, Cajun, that what you get on the supermarket the shelf, which is really hot. And it's like saying that El Paso is Mexican that's food. Right, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, it's not. It's all about those different combinations and the fresh uh, fruits and produce and everything that they use. Yes. So, you know, if you, even if you have a jambalaya, the Cajuns cook it without tomatoes, the Creoles cook it with tomatoes. That's the only difference, really, yeah. because they had access to the, the more produce. Jambalaya or yeah. jambalaya is, of yeah. course, a famous rice dish, is, yes, is it Yes, very similar to a paella. Yes, so that's the Spanish influence, which came from the city area where the tomatoes get thrown in. As ah. you go in. And what, what year did you first go to New Orleans? Uh, I went to. How, how long ago? Uh, I went back a couple of years back, and then just recently, last year, before I opened the restaurant. Yeah. Okay. So that was my most recent visit, where I got to uh, sit and chat with all the people there, get invited to their homes, and. and so this is different of just say you just wandering up and down Bourbon Street, going, "Yeah, I'll have the gumbo." You, you went a lot. 
deeper than that, yeah, did you not? Yeah, and that was the beauty of the last of my last visit there. Was how do you um, organise that? How do you organise that to get on the sort of off the beaten path? Oh, you just walk around and start talking to people. <laughs> g'day. G- 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 <laughs> yeah. How you going? And they go, so, wow, <laughs> see that again? Yeah. Aussie. Yeah, and say things incorrectly like, oh, what's that? And do lazy sausage? What? <laughs> Oh, oh! you mean Anduli? Oh, step this way, please. Hey, come over here. <laughs> Let me teach you about our culture. And, yeah, that's how it works. And dare I say that America, for all its faults and all of its nutbaggery at the moment, at the very, very heart, the hospitality of the South is a thing, is oh, it Oh, it is wonderful. It is just really and wonderful. And it is genuine. So genuine. They want to sit and talk with you. They want to show you things. And just to be invited into their kitchens and uh, mm. they're showing, oh, look, I put this in here, but don't tell Martha next door that's what I put in <laughs> because she'll steal my ideas. Yeah, <laughs> really. And, uh, that sort of thing. And, and then they sit down, can you taste that? How many herbs have I got in there? Because then they find out that I'm a chef and they want to know. Oh, so they're doing you, pop quiz and you? Yeah, and pop quiz. quiz. And you go, oh, I think I can. There's a bit of tarragon. Oh, she she picked she the tarragon. tarragon <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it was just wonderful. Oh, so it was like just had... so sweet and, yeah. And I, what were you. There would have been a moment. I'm sure there were many. There was just this procession of moments by the sound of it. But can you recall this sort of almost this eureka moment or this thing where you're going, I am having. This is real. This is so authentic. Mm. What was it? I think it was probably when um, I met this lady, Dorothy DeBose. I always say her name incorrectly as well. So she's a a French uh, Jamaican. Uh, lady descent. French Jamaican. Yeah. And uh, just her her history of where her families had joined together and her black side of the family had been free, a free blacks. Yes. So they weren't in the slave side as well. Yes. And just sitting there. Because that was another thing about New Orleans, that there were free people within that area. And that was another thing that distinguished it from the the overlay of plantations and slavery around Mm. it. Yeah. And some of these people, you know, they were very respectable jobs and things like that. But just sitting there with her and having that culture come through Mm. and uh, eating some food with her was absolutely amazing. It was just like... You're, you're doing the real thing. You're actually having something uh, that you've always wanted to taste and, and, and know. And, yeah, you're eating the real thing. It was just amazing. And then all of a sudden something happened that you said, I'm taking this experience and I'm going to turn it into hard work and yeah. toil of, of opening up your own place. How did, tell us about the thought process of that. And then, of course, tell us a little bit about this manifestation of it, which is just around the corner. Yeah, well, it's it's just bringing something back to Australia, like a little... It was such an enjoyable place and probably one of my most memorable holidays. It Sounds was, great, um, yeah. Just what was great, like, let's just create a little bit of New Orleans here. Like, there's not a lot of the type of food here and a lot of people don't know about it. We're getting more and more people travel there and they like it. And it's like, let's just create that, like a little bit of jazz, a bit of blues and, you know, some really great artwork in there. Uh, Let's put a little bit of the French Quarter in and let's create a whole story. Mm. Let's just bring it in. And, you know, it's got a bit of an Australian twist to it because we've got fresh produce that we have here that you can't. We've they got, don't have We've got prawns, they've got shrimp. That's right. <laughs> we've got yabbies, they've got crawfish. <laughs> we've got crocodile, they've got gator. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, it was just, uh, yeah, it was just to create that little bit of uh, essence and, uh, 
and and put it here. When did you open? About eight months ago, February. So we were, our grand opening was Mardi Gras. So oh, when yeah. there's when there's a uh, thing happening in New Orleans, it's happening in the restaurant as well. So just recently, we did a blues and barbecue weekend. Yes. So we had uh, people playing blues music and um, pumped out the barbecue ribs. Yeah. So so. Halloween's coming up soon, so we're doing some spooky food and spooky cocktails. <laughs> <laughs> Going to make pumpkin pie? Oh, a jack-o'-lantern, little pumpkin pies, yeah. Yeah. Some ghostly uh, meringue and... It's funny that... Oh, I could go for a digression of pumpkin, but I probably shouldn't. Um, <laughs> so could I? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. no, no <laughs> Let's no, not go no, there. This is like, oh, knowledge plus experience. Um, so what sort of things are on the menu here? Obviously, we can get things like, uh, there's got to be a jambalaya. Yes, definitely. So there's, we, yeah, go on. And the gumbos. Yeah, and the so, gumbos. So, so we do different flavours of those as well. We cater for the vegetarian and the vegans in those situations. Mm. Uh, we also put some of our own things on, like uh, our specials board. We've had uh, gator bites, but of course they were made from Crocodile. Yes. Uh, we also are introducing po'boys, which we hadn't po for a boy. while. Yeah. Which, uh, but listening to what our customers want, so we're throwing a po'boy. Those just in case you didn't know, it's like a big submarine sandwich, sandwich. isn't it? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, awesome with lots of. And of course, you've got all your southern frieds on there. So we have uh, chicken and fish and southern fried veggies with oh. a marinated slaw because they're a big thing. They love marinating their um, veggies over there and things like that. So it's not just your standard. In salad. what sort of marinades do you do? Ah, so we do that with our red wine vinegars and yes. uh, egg mayonnaises and different things like that. So it's a combination of uh, different – and marinate it for 24 hours and boom, it's just so yummy. Oh, it sounds mm. divine. Mm. And uh, the other great thing is that it, it it's um, an oasis of, as you were saying, um, a feast for the ears and the eyes, um, art, music, mm-hmm. food coming together. It sounds That's like a great yeah. place. Mm. Yeah, well, we think so. But then I'm a bit biased, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and are, are you going to be um, heading back soon? Uh, no, not so soon. I, mm. I, I, I do too busy. Do all the cooking, you see, and and uh, yeah. And I just enjoy being there as well in my so, little place at the moment. And this is one of the things talking to. What do you think, man? You know, talking mm. to independent owners of of business, you've got to love what you're doing mm. because. It's pretty hard to get out of bed to do it otherwise, isn't it? That's true. Sometimes it's you get to bed very late and you're getting up very early yeah. as well. Um, all right. So maybe um, before we go, are you going to hang around for this cheese and tea thing with Hannah? Oh, that would be wonderful because yeah, I'm on. so excited about the tendons and cheese going together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> the I'm, I'm kind fantastic. of looking forward to that too. But mm-hmm. um, for those that... Don't know. Can you um, tell us whereabouts? Hey, is it one two one? One twenty Ligon Street. One twenty. Yeah, yeah mm. other side of the road, Cam. Um, <laughs> one twenty Ligon Street. You're open. You have Mondays off. Yes, and hey. Sundays. Hallelujah. Yeah. So that's a praise Jesus moment. So yeah. at least you get two days off. Mm-hmm. Get to work really, really hard for those five days. Um, do you accept bookings and things like yes, that? Yes, definitely. People yeah. should book. Oh, it's good if they do, yeah. Okay. Mm. Um, well, look, congratulations on what you do. I can see it. You're these shining eyes looking across at me, talking about the food you love, and um, it comes through, and it's very, very obvious. And I've been hearing yeah. great things about what you do. So, for those that want to get a little taste of New Orleans, New Orleans, and New Orleans, whatever. No. <laughs> <laughs> We'll let that hang. Um, please book in. Uh, Matt's got some, has curated some music for you. I just had a look. Uh, this one's from 1987, Cam. I feel very old. 30 years old this year. Really? Yeah. 30 years? And it goes like this. 
once you get that button pushed. Of this? 30 years? Sorry, it is. Oh, Makes well. me feel old now, too. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Matt's waving his hands, going, come on, dudes, five, four, three, and I'm just mesmerised. I was just going to say that the last thing you said before the mics came on to Hannah was, you have the best mm, accoutrements. <laughs> you have the best accoutrements, mate. But Hannah couldn't hear because she... How good um, are your accoutrements? <laughs> you accoutrements rock. There you go, and there'll be no swear jar because I think I got away with that one. Yes. Um, Hannah Dupree, uh, uh, welcome. Uh, how the hell are you? Hello, I'm really well. Hello. Hi. You're kind of excited because um, you're back. I'm back. I'm back, baby. Back on the street. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in the, uh, at the gateway of the People's Republic of Northcote. Indeed, indeed, yes. Where are you? Tell us about um, it. Number 70 High Street, uh, Opened a space called the Botanical Store. The Botanical Store. The Botanical Store. Yes, which is very beautiful. Um, it's a mix of like incredible organic skincare and tea. You've got a. It's a. It's a partnership. It's sort of. It's the yin. It's the yang. It's the vibe. It's the. It's the inside. It's the outside. It's Who's the your partner? And the outside. Her yeah. name's Kim Stark. Hey Kim. Kim's is Kim looking after the shop at the moment? Have the radio on. Kim is actually having a day off today. Uh. Yes. First day in a long, long, oh, long, good on you, long Kim. time. Oh, Kim's probably not even listening. So, um, but tell us a little bit about, because, uh, okay, background. Storm in a teacup, you've been doing that for how many years now? Six years we've been open. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it was actually mm-hmm. Sebastian Rayborn who first told me about you. Really? Mr. Distillery said, yeah, he was um, he was at View de Mont because he was saying, you know, you want to hear about someone who's doing amazing things with tea? It's this girl called Hannah Dupree. And um, you've come a long way since then, haven't you? Yeah, I've been weaving my way through it all, which has been pretty interesting. Um, but the thing I like about you is that you know when to sort of go, oh, I'm going to push really hard, and then it's like, no, I'm just going to chill for a little bit. Well, look, you, we, I don't know. I run a business and I live a life, and I'm not prepared to um, – like I run my business for my life, and sometimes Bravo. life becomes more important, and, you know, you've just got to take your foot off the pedal, and that's just how it is. You you've know? got some wisdom there, I think. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm trying to, trying to sort, of, sort of put across here. But uh, so the place is open. It's uh, – what was the address? It's 70 – 70 High Street. 70. It's in the Westgarth bit near Terra Madre and Barry and mm. all of those amazing places. Good little neck of the woods to be sure in. Sure is, yeah. And um, you've brought in some teas for us to taste. Mm-hmm. And we this this whole subject sort of just quickly evolved over the last 24 hours, it I did, think. It did, it did. I wanted to talk about white tea and you wanted to talk about cheese. And so I we're went, doing some white tea and some cheese all together. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So let's have a quick chat about, um, first of all, what is white tea? Uh, white tea is tea that is just picked off the tea bush and dried and the tea bush, of course, is the Camellia sinensis. Absolutely. Um, from southern China. From southern China. Yep. So white tea is not black tea with milk in it. No. By the and, way. And it's all about the leaves and it's about whether you ferment the leaves, whether mm-hmm. it is a mm-hmm. black tea, a green tea, yep. an oolong. And there we go. We've exactly, got that out the Exactly. Way. So white tea is the most gentle of the teas because it hasn't had any oxidation and it hasn't had any shaping or manipulation in the factory by the tea master. Um, mm. it's, it's just the, the tea bush is dried and then we drink it. And so what you get is a direct communication from the tea bush rather than the relationship that exists between the tea bush and the tea master. Gotcha. And the one thing that we've learned early on when you've been coming in is that most people that uh, drink tea, they say, you say, a lot of people really hate green tea. 
You know why? Because the water's too hot and you leave it to infuse for too long and you extract way too much tannins for it. Exactly. From, from it. Exactly, exactly. Yep. So, um, White tea, about mm, 85 degrees for 85. About, about two minutes. Two minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you worked out your bubbles yet? What do you mean by bubbles? <laughs> I love the way. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. Um, no, when you were talking about we, when you watch water boil, the, ah, yeah, the size yeah, yeah, of the bubbles, yeah, yeah. and yeah, come on. I'm like, gotcha. No, I'm doing more. I'm doing it more through the sound. I, oh. I, the sound is is where it's at now. Screw those bubbles. bubbles I'm going to listen I, instead. I can't find a good enough glass kettle that I can actually like see into. What's the sound then? Oh, it, it, it gets louder and louder and louder, and then it drops right off, and then it comes back in again yes. with boiling. And so, like, it sort of gets quite loud at around 70 degrees. And yes. Or even up to 85, it gets loud, and then it drops down as it starts to – it goes much lower. It's, it gets to sort so, of 85 to 95. So that drop is sort of as it's getting towards 85? Yeah, okay. exactly, oh, well, exactly. That's, that's something to, uh, to learn and to bring into your tea-making repertoire out there, folks. You're going to pass those around? I'm going to pass these around. Okay, we've got four cups here because the great thing is Darrell's still here. Thank you for hanging around, Darrell. Oh, no, I'm so excited to try all this. <laughs> I have these pretty cups, but of course they are. There we go. All right, so um, first thing we do, what are we smelling here? Do you want to help us out here, right. Hannah? So we've got a little bit here. There's not much. There's about, uh, I don't know, 30 mil. No, a bit more, 40 mil. It's a good sh- if there was a shot of whiskey, it'd be a good one. Um, beautiful <laughs> cup, um, colour. Oh, so the yeah. colour is, um, it's sort of creamy, but like crystal clear. Mm. Um, it's sort of butter toned, really, I think. Yeah, what do you think, Trey? It's sort of almost like, yeah, there's a bit of yellow in there, isn't there? It's yeah, not. It's just a very gentle colour mm. to it, I think. Yep. And aroma. Here we go, the sounds. <laughs> Matt's got his nose every. <laughs> Shame we haven't got the webcam happening. Gentle, gentle, gentle hints of peach and honeysuckle and... Honeysuckle I'm getting. What do you think, Joe? Are you getting that honeysuckle once you you say it? Yeah, the peach is lovely in the You get the peach. Mm. Mm. That's not too tannic. It's certainly it's gentle, gentle, gentle. Gentle, gentle, gentle. Um, oh. But there is the tannin is there in the, in the mm. aftertaste mm. it comes through. And um, so with white tea, because it hasn't been oxidised, it hasn't been rolled, it hasn't been manipulated, it's very, very gentle. So you need mm. to come to white tea to meet it where it is, not expecting it to bring its flavour to you. Bang, I just got a whole big thing of peach then just went Deco. and then it just went away. Hey. Did you, that, that's weird. Because it is, it sort of goes up and down. It's, it's quite the journey, isn't it, when... The, the way that it develops and falls away and does all that. But that's tea. And uh, so yeah. much of that was also to do with the temperature of the, the drink and how, how it moves through your system. Yep. Now, your cheese of choice that you brought in, because here we are, we're starting off something that's could for some seems a little bit heretical. For years, for decades, we've had wine and cheese nights. Hey, Barry, we're going to have a wine and cheese night. Yeah, it sounds great. I'm bringing over the stuff. And then it sort of evolved to beer became really, really valid with cheese, and I still think it really, really is. Totally agree. You um, have agreed with me, and your cheese of choice is probably something that's a little bit gentler than what I've got. It's a cheese of Spain. It is... A manchego, nine-month-old manchego. In great nick, by the way, too, isn't it? It's beautiful, and because manchego can be really, really dry and horrible. This is this is in good nick. Okay, so and what do you reckon? Tell me your, your thoughts. It's soft and nutty. 
Mm-hmm. Really soft, gentle, nutty, lovely aftertaste. Oh, yeah. Um, bloody manchego. Did you get it? Yeah. It's, it's gentleness, but it, it's complex, and that's the same as white tea. It's really, really gentle, but it's complex, and mm-hmm. it evolves in time um, or over the time of, of your consumption, and then you... Hey, that works. What do hey, you think, that Cheryl? works. Oh, that's delightful. So the mm, creaminess, both delicious. of the cheese and the, and the tea, really develop. Um, the warmth of the tea in your mouth enhances the flavour of the cheese, and the cheese becomes much more pronounced. Um, it really lifts the, the flavour of the cheese yeah. after you have the sip of the tea. It's yeah. mm. fantastic. But that it doesn't rounded. overpower the tea either. No. Yeah. They complement each yeah. other beautifully. Yeah. As mm. someone once said, a wise woman once said to me when I tried to describe um, the effects of... Um, uh, caffeine and alcohol. Um, someone said to me, "No, actually, this is sort of like instead of two horses going apart, it's like two horses coming Pulling together." together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, of course, was you who said that to me, <laughs> which I remember well. Um, that really, really works well. Yeah. Do you want to try another one? Yeah, of course yeah, I do. Great. Okay. So, we're what do you going think, to- man? Hey, we haven't had the. What do you think? It's like the, the, the tea. Obviously, there is still some tannin in the tea, and the tannin in the tea has the same. Mm. I guess role as tannin in a wine in supporting the cheese and beer. And beer. Indeed, it's actually, it's yep. quite surprising how well it works together. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have picked that. But the thing that's interesting with the beer is you get the maltodextrins, which sort of come around and sort of hug the cheese mm. too. It's sort of a mm. a different a different sort of thing. The you, obvious what? thing, though, with the tea and the cheese, um, the English proved a long, long, long time ago that uh, milk and tea go well together in the English breakfast style drinking of tea. Because that's and fat and tannin. Fat and tannin. Fat and tannin, exactly baby. what's going on here. Yeah. And also, yeah. it was a way to uh, stop the uh, the very, very fine bone china from shattering into a million pieces. Because that's why that's why the English had the milk first into the cup, so you don't shatter those incredibly expensive burn china cups where you have your little finger pointed up. Um, we've only got a couple of minutes left, Hannah. Are we so get one more in. Yeah, come on, let's yeah. do it. Because I want to. We want to try the next cheese, which of course is. Um, Thanks to the wonderful Spring Street Grocer Cheese Cave and Stella. If oh, you're still I was reading about these guys. Do you know that it is a 13-generation um, family making this this Bay of Fires cheese? No. Yes, 13 generations, English cheesemakers, um, which comes into, like, tea. So the school of Japanese tea that I study is 16 generations. And I, like, so I haven't come across too many of these direct lineage things in the world. And well, not in this, not this country cheese. especially, you know. Yeah, exactly. Jeez. Here we go. I'll pass this over. I'm going to cut the incredible piece of Bay of Fires cheddar, uh, which is cloth-bound but smaller than um, what the English make. There we go. I'm going to cut that in half. Um, incidentally, coming up next week, um, we've got Sebastian Rayborn who's going to... He's going to bring some gin in. Spread some love around. Um, yeah. Hannah, can you pass those two slices, Absolutely. grab one for yourself and the other one for Durrell? I've overbrewed this censure just a tiny little bit, so have there's you, more it? tannin in there than what I would normally oh, want. Maybe that'll be good that because be this, this yeah. cheese is going to be a little bit more butch than that manchego. That was a really great bit of manchego. Okay, so this one's got more green in it. Correct. This is a sencha from Kagoshima in, or Kagoshima in the south of Japan. What's sencha mean again? Uh, sencha is Japanese green tea that has not been shaded before it is picked. It's not been shaded? Mm-hmm. Okay. There's not enough time aroma. to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> don't, don't go there. Uh, what are you getting aroma-wise on this? Um, fresh, fresh, fresh tea leaves, gotcha. which is 
a thing that not too many people have smelt, but no, it's, it's, it's aromatic, like... it's blossomy, it's um, there's a resin in there, there's seaweed in there, there is seaweed. sort of this hints of mushroom. Yes, okay, yeah. mate. Yeah, we're getting the wind up. We've got uh, a few seconds. Darrell, what are you? Uh, it's like spring in a cup, isn't it? Like, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're just, a, you're you just a, smell it. It's poet over here. Darrell, <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, that's got a little bit more. Mm. Yeah, that's a good punch more. in it. That's got some punch. Um, <laughs> all right, let's try it with the cheddar. I think it's going to work with the cheddar. What do you think? Does it work? Yeah, it's good. It's good. Mm. Okay, so that's the thing. You, That's maybe just a little bit too tannic yeah. than, the, than the first one. I think the, yeah. the first one was really, really good if you chill it out. Again, um, remember, if you're going to do green tea, don't do it too hot and don't leave it too long. And you will probably in really, really enjoy green tea. Absolutely. Yeah? Absolutely. Where's the sh- store again? 70 High Street, Northcote. What's it called? The Botanical Store. Is there a website? Uh, I have a website. And no, there is. There's websites for both. Hey. There we go. That's all right. Hey, <laughs> Darrell, thanks again for coming in. Oh, no, thank you very much for having me. It was a delight. And it was so fantastic trying the teas and the cheese together. 170? Out to... 270. 120. Oh. I nearly forgot where I was myself. Can you do that again for us? Sorry to go over time, guys, next door. Uh, 120 Ligon Street. Thank you so Thank much you. for coming. Don't it's the mouldy fig. Yeah. And uh, it sounds just magnificent. And keep on doing what you're doing. You too, Hannah. It's always a delight to see you. Matt, you're not going to be here. You're missing out on gin next Again, week. Again, coming up next on Sunday Lunch, Nova and GS doing subversive theatre this time around. Stay tuned. Awesome. Take it away. And thanks for listening. This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.